Hi, this is Ross Payton with a great episode of RPPR After Hours. Caleb Robstith from the Orpheus Protocol and I look at the first chapters of Castle Greyhawk, perhaps the worst official TSR D&D module of all time. It's a mecha dungeon named after Gary Gax's home campaign, but he didn't write a word of this book. Instead, this was supposed to be a comedic dungeon crawl. What was funny to TSR? Well, for one thing, a random NPC reaction table that includes a 15% chance of every NPC meeting the player characters hiring assassins to kill them. Well, (laughs) hilarious. This is part of our deep dive series on this mega dungeon. We've finished four episodes so far, and if you want to keep listening to the rest of the episodes, please sign up for the RPPR Patreon. It's only $2 a month to get all the bonus podcasts, access to our Discord, and recordings of our weekly live stream. The live stream broadcasts every Sunday at 6 p.m. Central on Twitch and YouTube. I'll have links in the show notes to this episode. We discuss and browse through RPG PDFs, everything from riffs to upcoming games like Death in Space. We also answer questions from viewers. Come hang out with us. But it's okay if you miss it, because the Patreon is recordings of all the live streams. It's been a lot of fun so far. Last week, Caleb, Baz, and I uh, looked at a lot of games, including Lifts, the first exercise-based RPG. There's a lot of cool stuff. You just need to check it out. Other Patreon rewards include early access to our actual play episodes and the chance to play in online games run by me. Also, your support keeps this podcast going, and it means a lot to us all. Check out patreon.com slash rppr for more information. Thanks so much, and enjoy this episode. Hey, it's Russ Payton with Roleplaying Bubble Radio. This is RPPR After Hours, the beginning of our new series on Castle Greyhawk. WG module WG seven from tactical studies and rules TSR uh, for advanced dungeons and dragons. Uh, uh, Our our review is a bit late uh, as it was published in 1988, but, uh, or as the book was published in 1988, but uh, you know, we're here to delve into this 12 level mega dungeon uh, with, uh, and we'll be doing this in multiple parts. So, uh, with me uh, are two expert uh, dungeon describers, uh, reviewers, evaluators. Uh, <laughs> uh, Caleb, uh, of course, from uh, Mix Six and many RPPR things, and uh, more recently Delta Green Dead Channels and Hebenot Open Game Design. Is that right, Caleb? Hebenot uh, Games Open Design. But okay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. I often wonder why you bring me here and like what specific thing I did to you to deserve <laughs> this. But I realized I'm here for this one because like having never read this module before, I realize I've written at least two book length works mm-hmm. as like explicit reactions to how dumb this thing is. <laughs> like in the very specific ways it is dumb. Mm-hmm. Like I, the majority of my game design career is a reaction against its dumbness. So uh, I feel like I've come full circle. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. A, you felt it in the collective unconsciousness. This, this, this module, and you, you screamed out. Uh, yeah, it was. It was very Star Wars. A thousand nerds yeah. screaming at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something, something. Evangelion. I think. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, our other reviewer for this episode is Rob Steth from the Orpheus Protocol and author of the Orpheus Protocol. And I will never yes. get tired Hello. of announcing I, it that uh, way. <laughs> yeah. 
I I know exactly why I'm here. It's because we, you know, famously escaped from hell together, and I immediately <laughs> started feeling sad and nostalgic for hell. Um, I'm the guy who solved Le Marchand's box on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Castle Greyhawk uh, is a pre- I I. I'm not like the biggest Dungeons and Dragons fan out there, but, uh, and so I have not like exhaustively read every single module ever published. So I was, this module was brought to my attention when I was reading the discussion on D and D in general. And they mentioned that this was the worst module ever published by TSR. And so uh, of course I was like, well, I have to see this. And uh, I read it and it's, it, it kind of amazed me because it's, specifically trying to be humorous it is not a serious quest for adventurers to solve it is like hey references and jokes and puns we got them um and boy like how you said i've not read every tsr or like dungeons and dragons manual as if that's an expectation and having read castle greyhawk it shouldn't be <laughs> um there are clearly some ones we should skip mm-hmm. this being primary amongst them yeah yeah um, um man it's not funny man it's bad it um, is extremely not funny uh, sp- speaking of when i was writing no so left behind i was really worried about this because i'm like comedy games like how do people write games that are funny mm-hmm. uh because i'd never done that before and i looked it up it's like it's impossible <laughs> humor does not exist in rpgs Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I laugh a lot when I play RPGs. It's like, yeah, you just can't write about it. It never worked. <laughs> and I don't understand, like, ever where that came from. Like, it never made sense to me until now. Because uh, I think <laughs> these people, I think this was their first experience with humor. And I'll be honest, it would have turned me off, too. Um, I would have also been anti-humor. I do um, have to admire the audacity, though, of writing what is this? A hundred billion pages of module. Uh, uh, hundred and twenty-eight, to be exact. Okay, sure, that was, that was pretty much right. But uh, with the idea being, let's just put in ink on a piece of paper the exact kind of jokes that you and your friends would just naturally make mm-hmm. while playing D anD. d Except, like. Let's make it so that it's not flexible at all and can't be a response to anything that you're doing or that you recently talked about in your group of friends or whatever. And also, we are not funny, but we're going <laughs> to write all these jokes anyway. There's a uh, land shark reference. That's from 1975. They yeah. put that in there like it would age forever. It was from fucking age SNL. Like yeah. <laughs> fucking Saturday Night Live, a weekly sketch comedy show. They're just like, oh, man. This one's gonna last the last oh, yeah. the years. Oh yeah. I mean, you can only uh, speculate. Maybe the cycle of comedy was that much longer back then. You know, people were making Monty Python references in the nineties. So God, like, that's true. Yeah. That I only true. knew it was a reference because my dad still makes it. it it's a very <laughs> boomer mindset shit. Um, but yeah, yeah. Every time I've had a Mexican lager, my dad makes the land shark reference because. <laughs> There is a land shark named Mexican lager. That's literally all it takes. I, it doesn't have to be land shark. It could be a yeah. Corona. It oh could be God. anything. Um, now, I think there's an interesting philosophical question facing us immediately with this work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the nature 
of comedy, which I'm interested in because I primarily deal in horror, which is, in my opinion, one of the three genres that specifically try for a targeted emotional reaction Mm -hmm. uh, that is kind of walking that razor line between personal and universal, that being comedy, horror, and romance. Mm. Uh, It's hard to make people feel a chosen emotion with your writing. And it's especially hard to do it with any kind of like staying power to it because culture evolves. Uh, And so like you're immediately faced with this philosophical question of like, how well does comedy work in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign? How well does it work when you write it down? And the perhaps equally important corollary question how good are these particular weirdos at tackling that task? And when we see the fireball fun event on page two, we already have our answer about how they're going to do. Well, like there's, there's multiple types of comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not physical according comedy. to this. Yeah. Yeah. Not according to this. There's physical comedy, which come from the dice. Um, sure. That that's where that has always lived. Mm-hmm. Um, there's situational comedy, which requires a plot. Mm-hmm. There's satire, which requires a plot. <laughs> and uh, both of those need to, a, because people, uh, humor is uh, not not evergreen. Like, it's always going to age. Both of those need to have, like, actually comment on something. Like, if you want to base it in the 70s, base it in the 70s. Right. Other than a land shark reference. <sighs> but then there's parody. And that's fine. Parody can also work as comedy in a game. Like, uh, we've had uh, some hilarious parody games where it's like Willy Wonka in Eclipse Phase or something <laughs> like it's just It's just farcical. But the thing is, I don't understand parodying a type of role-playing game within the same role-playing game that you are parodying. Like, mm-hmm. everything they're making fun of is D&D bullshit. Like, which is like, why? Like, these people like D&D well enough to play it every fucking week. Why is... <laughs> what are you making fun of? Right. And it just turns into, like... Like, naked gun jokes that age even more poorly. Like, it's just farcical, dumb bullshit. That would be... Un- I just want to be clear annoying as shit this seems to be the primary joke of (laughs) castle greyhawk the joke is on the players and the the gm is having a grand old time playing it on them because it's about wasting as much of your fucking time as it possibly can in every instance yeah right because like if people play D &D a bunch and enjoy it and like the funny aspects of it Mm -hmm. again this is 128 pages of definitely not as good as what you would come up with on your own. <laughs> like, like by definition. Yeah. <laughs> and and it gets worse with every passing second on the clock too. So, uh, uh, yeah. So like to give uh, the listener, this is, this was intentional um, to explain. Uh, th- this is on the back text of the book. The very last page, this would be the back cover where you'd read when you buy, or when you're thinking about buying it in a, in a game store or whatever. The last sentence is the common theme of this dungeon is that no joke is so old. No pun is so bad and no shtick is so obvious that it can't be used to confuse and trip up PCs. Like, well, they, it was a noble experiment. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and to give uh, to reference some jokes that I that I read about that uh, are not in the section that we looked at uh, in this thing, but in, in uh, there's an NPC uh, Bugs Bear Bunny. 
Um, and uh, there's a Jin Kirk, uh, you know, a, a Jin who's named Kirk, and he's uh, a captain, I believe, of a ship. Um, so they they make Star Trek references that that's considered a joke um, in, in this module in a future level. Um, so weird how people used to associate this hobby with never having sex. <laughs> Wonder where that came from when they were spitting game like this. Damn. Yeah. And so uh, before we even get into it, uh, uh, there's a lot of commentary and discussion about this module because it's, you know, came out of TSR in the 80s. And so there's a whole generation of gamers who grew up with this. Uh, And there's, of course, a lot of drama and backstory to TSR and Gary Gygax. Uh, The name Castle Greyhawk was actually Gary Gygax's own homebrew dungeon for his home campaign back in the day. And so, um, and in 1988, Gary Gygax had just recently been kicked out of the company. This, this, uh, module was written actually by a number of different freelancers, I believe a different person for each chapter. Uh, so there's like 13 authors, uh, for this month, including some well-known people like Ray Winninger, who went on to write uh, Underground, uh, a 90s edgy super anti-superhero RPG, <laughs> Steve Perrin, who wrote RuneQuest, uh, let's say, and, and many others. And so uh, what happened? And so people a lot. There's this theory that a lot of people think that, like, they kick Gary Gygax out. So they published this module with that name of Gary's Dungeon in order to trash him, to kick him while he was down. You know, (laughs) I hope that's true. (laughs) Uh, Because that guy was a freak and a butthole. mm -hmm, Yeah. uh, I mean, I'm I'm fine with, like, I'm fine with that. Like, I understand writing things based solely off of spite. Like, uh, God, I hope that's the reason. Mm -hmm, But, like... I, I don't know. It seems kind of like shooting the hostage at this point. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> fuck you, Gary, in order to tell you how much we fucking hate you. We're not going to, like, improve the thing you made and, like, mm-hmm. make you feel, like, inadequate and, uh, you know, bereft for the rest of your life. We're just going to, like, make everyone hate playing it and then try and make a living off writing. It. Yeah, yeah, we're going to make everyone regret buying this product. Yeah. <laughs> before we before what do you we think of sell that, another Gary? one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so that actually did happen. Um so like I I looked on the um one of the first hits you do when you look for Castle Greyhawk review is this website called Grognardia. Um, so you can, you can guess what, what kind of stuff they talk about, but, um, there's a lot of, and so this is, uh, the, the blog post is about how this is the worst module of all time and, um, goes into its history a little bit, but then there's a lot of comments. And so there's two comments in particular. I looked where, um, one is like, oh, I was a kid. And there's this rather sad story about this module. My eyes bugged out when I saw it. They released Gygax's Castle Greyhawk. So I ran to the counter with this in hand. Um, and then I tore off the shrink wrap and then I began to read it. I realized what a load of garbage I just purchased. And I was furious. It was the last product I purchased from TSR that I didn't very thoroughly examine. Up until then, I had been a TSR zombie and bought anything new appearing on the shelf. In retrospect, this saved me from some very bad purchases in the future. Uh, so, and then another yeah, one. Yeah, what a triumphant story. <laughs> like, that's the story of a kid, like, learning to be critical and, like, having a, like, 
hero worship of a horrible racist a like <laughs> abortion too at the same time like what a what a heartwarming tale yeah i can't believe i can't believe it was out of spite though because like i know spite i get it like mm-hmm. okay there's this creepy dude you don't like at your company but he made a really cool thing that you want to play with um he's left the company you owe him nothing call it beige falcon and make it good like (laughs) that's revenge man like are you telling me none of these dudes who invented this hobby from fucking scratch were doing house rules they didn't have gripes about the system Mm -hmm. or ways that they did it and wanted to change things like do that that's how you fuck somebody over yeah this is like fuck me fuck you in particular for buying this not gary i mean yeah yeah, it would have taken a cabal is a really good a really good description of what's happened here yeah um yeah because i mean in the the, i don't think it's revenge either because there were 13 writers on this thing that's a whole goddamn cabal of people be like let's yeah let's all put make a shit product with our names on it just to fuck over that one guy who's been fired from the company like it's like a baker's dozen of people were trying to hit the point, but they all missed the point because they were playing a game with a bad randomizer. <laughs> um, and another story was, uh, uh, I just have one more story. I was a kid when it came out. Every so often I would get treated to a trip to the hobby store to pick out a module to be given to my stepdad for an extended family gaming night. Uh, on that ill-starred trip, I picked Castle Greyhawk. Well, because it was a castle. It was big and it was Greyhawk and Greyhawk was D&D. Sadly, after I, I, I gave it to my stepdad, I was sourly informed that my selection was a complete bust. It was so bad, there was nothing even salvageable from it. My choice had failed the family and harmed our prospects for D&D adventuring. Um, and so, even more ironically, later, when my uh, collection was destroyed by the malfeasance of said parentals, this cursed deadweight was one of the few boxes to survive probably due to be put in a non-essential box that somehow lucked its way through the times. So I still have this blasted pustule. Maybe Wait, I'll take it and burn. that like they, they satanic panicked his book as his books after he this? Does, I, it may simply be like, oh, well, we'll just get rid of this stuff that you're not using anymore. I mean, maybe. Or, holy, holy shit. Yeah. If it's Castle Greyhawk, convince me D&D was a tool of Satan. <laughs> that is a fucking review right there. Put that on the cover. Uh-huh. Put that on the reprint. Yeah. Uh, um, on the other hand, though, there's a, a one sentence review on Goodreads. One of my all time favorite mo- adventures to play in DM. Three and a half stars. So uh, who can say uh, whether it's good or I've bad. only that is true. You have identified for some one reason. anonymous person who has the opposite opinion, so they must be of equal value. Yeah. That's true. Um, there's also discussions on uh, websites like Dragon's Foot where people just ask, can you use this stuff? Can you use, is it salvageable? Is it usable? It's like, well, yeah, you can house rule. And it just goes on and on and on. So people, this is not, even though this was intended to be comedic and a joke, like it was still intended to be played. So when we look at this, we will look at this as something you are meant to like run players through and oh boy, it'll be interesting to see if it's truly less playable than Inferno. (laughs) I I agree. It's worse for sure. It, it owns way less than Inferno does. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, is it actually less playable? I don't know. I don't know. Rules wise. It's, it makes more sense to me than anything an Inferno ever did, but, but, (laughs) 
as to why I would continue sitting at this table talking to these people, mm-hmm. it, it's a completely non sequitur. I have no, oh, I, have, yeah. I can't, I can't enter that headspace. I have no idea why you would do this yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, Inferno had interesting but stupid ideas. Yeah, this is just can, like the lamest, house- cheapest joke at every t- at every moment. The lowest hanging fruit for um, sure. Yeah, I mean. Inferno could be house ruled into something wildly entertaining, mm-hmm. whereas this can only be house ruled into something somewhat less worse than what you would have come up with on your own anyway. Um, you know, the the one thing I could think of using this would be because it's me also. Um, I would make this into a simul space MMO hell. Uh, in an eclipse phase game where the players have to like uh, uh, this is just like a, a, a MMO that they're trapped in and they have to escape somehow. Uh, yes, a parody <laughs> in a different game system, which is how you would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, ah, yes. the devil's isekai. <laughs> yeah, the devil's isekai. I like that. Uh, so yeah, we should uh, probably get into the uh, uh, with that preface. Uh, we should get into the uh, actual module because uh, first mm. off, uh, chapter one is what what is happening now in Castle Greyhawk. Uh, this was written by Chris uh, Mortica, uh, and um, well, there's a lot going on in Castle Greyhawk. Um, yeah, it's uh, the the basic uh, premise is that uh, Herzog Atkinrum, uh, the merely worried, is the Lord of Castle Greyhawk. And uh, he is an advertised to encourage worldly powers to send adventurers and settlers uh, to his lands. But the druids nearby of the Golden Bow um, are uh, not not in re- not really happy about the castle. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a rather dysfunctional environment. Um, this is where the uh, what you're mentioning early the 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 Herzog's Fireball Fund for the Forest program for visiting mage um that 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 was the first joke. that's what kicked do, off this regional conflict i do appreciate these based druids <laughs> although i have to question their methods of we're gonna save the forest by 10 percent chance of every day drowning it in a choking dust storm that kills every plant (laughs) in the reach like or or flooding it in another 10 percent or randomly shifting into a frost i'm like shouldn't druids know that like plants also are concerned about the weather like Mm. no matter what's happening at this castle which also isn't affected by the weather so i don't know what their plan is here (laughs) anti-environmentalist propaganda yeah um Yeah. No, so like we established just the thinnest possible justification for the fact that this place is festooned in combat challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh though in fairness, we actually only in this section allude to justifications for the like monsters that are infesting the dungeons. We only really actually explain the druid situation. Mm-hmm. Um but really oh, we you basically don't get, you don't get to the druid situation until uh the back end of page three, my favorite part about this entire module is that before that, the very first table that they think you need to know is the what I like to call everyone's an asshole table. <laughs> oh, sure. About sure, how sure. Every NPC in this module is going to be just a Randian shithead or if you roll low enough, just a psycho who mm-hmm. oh, no matter sure. what their lot in life 
will hire assassins to kill you yeah, I have, for no I have, fucking uh, reason. Yeah. I have thoughts uh, about that table. Yeah, yeah um, just the, the prick table of every NPC that like and with no like and the only thing that they're like, well, this guy's not on the table is because they're worse. Like mm-hmm. that is the only time they describe an NPC outside this uh D one oh six of uh dickheads. Uh mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just when they're just like, well, this one charges even more for his training services. Right. Uh, this um, one is really racist against gnomes. It's just like, oh, good. Well, actually, everyone is very racist against everyone, according to the table. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if they specifically say that someone's racist against a certain uh, species, then you know it's some real bad news. Um, yeah, I just I remember that YouTube video of like come to Somalia, libertarian paradise. Like that is very much <laughs> Castle Greyhawk. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is society Um, without society. Everyone mm -hmm. hates each other. (laughs) Everyone scams each other. It's just repugnant. Mm -hmm. Um, But even before that, uh, something that I feel deserves a little bit of dissection is what they have in terms of gate security for Mm -hmm. the Citadel. It's a it's a guy who charges you 40 gold pieces to pass through the gate but the fee is reduced by one gold piece for each point of charisma worth of females. And I use the book's word there uh, in your party. And I, I think that the idea that just like a glimpse of one woman of scientifically middling visual appeal is worth the same amount of money to this old freak as eight days of fine dining, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, has either something to say about the level of thought that they put into the numbers in this module, Mm -hmm. or perhaps maybe a problematic attitude about women. I'm sure we won't immediately confirm that it's both. I just love the idea of like, what's the hook for the adventure? What do we do? Okay. What do people love? Bouncers. Everybody (laughs) loves bouncers. So it's ladies night in Castle Greyhawk. (laughs) It's just just the most baffling choice to start off something people are supposed to want to play. Yeah. So Uh, I think two women with a score of charisma 10 makes it free. And that Mm -hmm. is, average looking humans Mm -hmm. uh and again according to the way that this is written it's worth noting also that maybe we shouldn't rush to call this guy purely shallow because a troop of 40 women each impossibly heroically unattractive with a charisma score of one will also cause the fee to be waived I do yeah, want to I mean, say these are really good examples of uh what I believe is sort of like the overall my theory of like the the design philosophy of this entire module is that if you think of the historical context, this is like late 80s. TSR has been cranking out dungeon modules for like a decade at this point and uh, having to appeal to an increasingly jaded audience of hardcore D&D players and groups. And the the internal logic of D&D has overridden this point. Um, every other like inspirational source of D and D. It's not Lord of the Rings anymore. It's D and D. Um, like it is, it is a hyper real fantasy. You know, it is more real than the fantasy literature that inspired it. And so that means uh, this sort of adversarial asshole players versus GM mindset 
that rot has fully set in. This is peak adversarial GM. So you have. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. The next thing that happens is the DM is explicitly instructed to strive to make all NPC interactions as miserable and and obnoxious as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's worth knowing also that uh, cheap trollops, I use the book's words, is the capstone item in the list they give for possible kinds of people. Uh, And this injunction to frustrate your players is illustrated then... Structurally, very interesting to me. By a stream of consciousness, little fever dream about a mater D at a restaurant being a huge douchebag. Mm-hmm. Uh, to some adventurer whose name we are told <laughs> and nothing else. Yeah, that that uh, in, in, yeah. I know I'm jumping ahead, but in chapter one, there's no less than three different pleadings for the GM to use Cockney accents for this character. <laughs> Because people just love cockney. Like, it literally instructs you to be a bad GM. Again, if you were parodying this in something else, like if I was doing a movie to make fun of bad GMs, Mm -hmm. the idea that, like, every PC you're supposed to like is cockney and everyone you're supposed to kill isn't is a thing I would remark upon in a parody. (laughs) They just tell you to be bad. And, like, do they hope your players know that you're actually better than this? Do mm-hmm. they? It, it's 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 a baffling choice in so many different ways. Yeah, and and the two tables we've mentioned so far, uh, both on page three, the what's it worth to you? With these are both percental tables, um, but the the what's it worth to you can go above a hundred because um, it's every you roll this for every single NPC. That you meet, and if it's below fifteen, they hire assassins to kill you. But if it's a hundred and six and above, they're delirious loyally uh, to you. And the modifiers include giving them a magical item as a bribe, which gives you plus twenty percent using the charm spell, plus fifty percent. But then the charm spell is illegal to learn uh, from any of the wizards in the uh, uh, castle. Um, or, but yeah, they're all racist. Uh, PCs of a different race is a negative ten to negative twenty penalty. Um, helping a PC an NPC is only plus ten. Helping the castle right. is only plus five. Um, uh, see, this is where the comedy came in for me. Yeah, like, I just imagined a whole murder mystery dis- derailing this entire campaign mm-hmm. as like the League of Assassins come to murder <laughs> you all, and you're like trying to fit. Was it the thing we did with the princess? Did we are were we brought here as cat's paws and like no like you bummed a cigarette off Mike the farrier and <laughs> it was just a really bad role. So what he did was he sold all of his mules and uh, all of his family's possessions mm-hmm. and he hired an elite team of spec ops magic assassins to murder you and all of your friends. Like is Mike deranged? Is he de- no? He's he's a citizen in good standing. Until then, he just. He just did the mules and stuff, but now, <laughs> he really, now he's focused on, I mean, uh, you know, like, yeah. now he's Al Caponing and Untouchables. I want him dead. I want his family dead. The uh, the yeah. base attitudes of these NPCs are fucking garbageous. Like, 76 <laughs> is the first percentile cutoff for a, a pleasant interaction of any kind, mm-hmm. and 86 for receiving any kind of help. Oh yeah, uh, thirty-one and, and forty like, is uh, attacks the PC for no good reason. And <laughs> like, like yeah. there's this laborious list of modifiers for things like bribing them and helping them with this and that, which, like, imagine the fucking bookkeeping every time you meet someone needing to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like the fact that things like racism or quote known to be of a different alignment 
are there. Like the racism thing's very unpleasant, you know, as a base assumption about the setting. And the alignment thing is a complete philosophical nightmare. Mm-hmm. Because imagine needing to think about the D&D alignment system every time the party meets a person. Honestly, if you think of alignments in D&D as being like, who's your favorite sports team? It makes a lot more sense and it works a lot better. Like, it's just you're you're not <laughs> wrong. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's awesome, though, that if a PC speaks to an NPC of a different race for a second time ever, if they don't do a bunch of bribes, there is an 85 percent chance of assassination. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, uh, pretty good. Um, the other, I mean, when I wrote red markets, Randians, I just wanted people to shoot Republicans, but (laughs) they were in there because, you know, just the idea of like reciprocity is the only reason to have a human relationship. And Mm -hmm. the only ethical way to do that is through capital. Like, this is like, if you had a game run by that, like you got to get out a fucking calculator to see if you can afford to attempt to talk to a stranger. Right. Like it is like, how dare you take that second of my time? We're in a we're a very busy agrarian society here. <laughs> we got shit to do in Castle Greyhawk. How dare you take one second out of my day to deal with customers? I who run a shop stall. Um, also, these mechanics are kept from the player, I would assume. Like, they don't know this. Like, they don't get to look at this table uh, unless the GM's feeling very nice, which, of course, the book is telling you not to be. So, Many times yeah. it reminds you not to be. Yeah. yeah so you don't even uh, know what, like, the thing is. Um, one thing the players would get to know, though, is the weather table, which is another percental table uh, we mentioned earlier. But it's um, ranges from a 1 through 20 being a bright, sunny day to uh, 190. 91 through 100 of a dust storm. Uh, it can also be blistering hotly hot Arctic conditions, uh, torrential rains and winds. Yeah, this forest is dead. It is 100%. Yeah. This is the capitalist realism of early D&D. Like every everything on the shop price has like a rigid gold cost in like precious species. That's our realism. We're going to do that. We're not going to focus on the fact that this entire area has suffered total ecological collapse <laughs> in less than a week of druid interference. Yeah. Like we're not going to mention the fact that every crop is dead. Everyone is dying. Wait, you mean to say that it's focused on uh, commerce and numbers and forgot something about material conditions? Oh yeah. I, I, can't I imagine. You mean to say that? Uh, oh my goodness. Um, oh yeah, there's a wow. chance of like a, a lightning storm, and you're just struck by lightning <laughs> on a certain roll. So they, yeah, there's just everything's been fucking fried with lightning. Uh, well, that's that's not yeah. that's ignoring the base chance just to run into a shit ton of monsters walking outside. Mm-hmm. At which point, I'm just like, where are they growing? Where are they getting food? How are the caravans getting in here? I just imagine a sort of Mad Max situation of like. <laughs> minotaurs and gnolls and like orcs just circling this circular castle constantly waiting for anyone to come outside and try and pick some corn like i just (laughs) it's baffling yeah yeah there well there is spoiler alert there is a literal random monster generator at the bottom of the dungeon spewing out monsters day and night uh (sighs) and they 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 trickle upwards yeah, I, I I had a real experience reading uh, something on uh, page four mm-hmm. where like 
I thought it was one shitty thing and then it turned out to be a different shitty thing instead and it was way funnier. <laughs> um, it's like there's a you track time and every two turns, regardless of where the party is in the complex, there is a one out of six chance for an encounter. And what I thought that meant, right? Mm-hmm. Was that this is like one of those later Doom levels where shit just teleports in from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And like you're just constantly fighting. But I realized while writing the note making fun of the teleporting monsters that that's not what's actually happening. They're talking about seeing a person. <laughs> Every two turns you have to roll a die to see if the party encounters another person (laughs) like you have to constantly track the time that passes and roll dice to see if a person is there and in fact have to reference charts in the dmg in a second book to do so yeah it's pretty great isn't it um i think a turn is 10 minutes in uh ad and d so three times an hour one to six chance um so yeah it is, it is a weirdly it is a weirdly desolate place if you think about it i don't well, think couldn't, that, that, well, the, it, they oh. couldn't render that many people in the technology <laughs> of the age yeah yeah it's, it's kind of like the, the fog in silent hill uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah they were they were keeping the process or the fog that they literally put into the grand theft auto remasters yeah. to hide how shit they are uh, yeah, how how is the GM going to render that many NPCs when they're calculating the the plus of minus of a creepy old man letting I mean, you in with just, a bribe or not? It's amazing <laughs> the base assumption that other sentient beings are worthless and you would never interact with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple times per hour, there is a chance. There is a chance that you might think about interacting someone if it's worth the money. <laughs> Well, uh, also, if you step outside, you could just get fucking killed by lightning any time mm-hmm. of the day. That you're only safe in a building, so you just hide in your fucking room. That explains why there's so many people just waiting in their rooms for someone to visit because they're fucking scared to go out, uh, and um, rightfully so. But yeah, um, hey, you could also starve to death on a rooftop for whistling <laughs> the wrong song. This is that's another good. thing that could happen. That's, to that's you. a that very is, fun part of this book. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so we get to the first building that is actually described, which is the Tower of Wizardry. And what I like about this chapter is they have several very large buildings on the on the surface level, and they serve as kind of the town slash home base for the player characters to resupply and uh, spend their money uh, as they go down further and further down the, the levels. Um, that's like the entire, this is like a whole campaign, technically. You know, when you're level one and two, you do level one. When you're level three and four, you do level two and so on and so forth. Uh, but each of these buildings in this first chapter are described. There's no maps, but they're described in great detail. There's like a fucking two columns of text to describe the architecture of the Tower of Wizardry. <laughs> I just want to be clear. No one lives anywhere. There's the Tower yeah. of Wizardry where you study wizardry. There's Herzog Sanctum, which is a rich guy who won't let anyone in but his rich friends. <laughs> there are like and two then guest there's a commerce hub, yeah. and then it is just blank space it is just a salted plane no one lives anywhere yeah. <laughs> no i don't know what's the customer base like it's 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 wild yeah 
I had a I had a total eureka. Mm-hmm. Uh, not until page nine, actually, but it's very relevant to the Tower of Wizardry and mm-hmm. Herzog Sanctum and all this stuff. Like, and everything else too. Like all of these early D and D modules. Mm-hmm. Like most of the content of, in my experience, most of the old modules is just a painstaking room by room description of what items are there and what the furnishings are and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a base assumption in old D and D materials that a dungeon master can not intuit or describe the contents of a room based on an evocative little description uh, sentence mm-hmm. or, or, or like a description of what the function of a room is. And so Hands are tied, buddy. We just got to spend 80% of our page count listing objects. <laughs> that explains Inferno. Uh, for, it, yeah, yeah, like it's the same here. Like there's so fucking much just like here are chairs and here is a box. Here is what's in the box. Here is what is behind the box on the wall. This is the kind of carpet in the room. Like, and it's, it's seriously most of the words. Well, I mean, considering how much PCs, how often PCs are charged to do anything, you have to spend money just to get in through the front fucking door. The PCs have to like basically <laughs> strip the copper wiring out of the walls, uh, uh, in order to like not yeah. starve to death. Um, yeah, yeah. And like, I would be Tower doing Wizardry that. Especially is just a building to cost money. Like that's. <laughs> Ross, you've seen me do this before. If a game gets bad enough, I just start hitting anything I can find mm-hmm. in an attempt to make plot happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be in this game for 30 minutes before I was racing to die. <laughs> like, the the GM is going to need all those descriptions of every bespoke mm-hmm. item in the room. Because something comes out of his mouth, I am going to stab it in an attempt to make anything happen. You see a pillar, I attack it. <laughs> oh, they'll they'll kill you for attacking the pillar. Good, I attack it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big uh, shout the, out. The though. DM has a. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, big shout out for using the word annulus uh, to describe the uh, uh, architecture of the Tower of Wizardy. It's like a donut. Uh, there is a door at the nice. north or south. The rest of the level, an annulus, like a donut, twenty feet wide, divided into two rooms: the northern half of the annulus and the southern half. So. Night. You learn something by playing D&D. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the DM's task becomes an additionally complex, layered nightmare mm-hmm. in the Tower of Wizardry because not only do you already have to be tracking uh, exactly how many times every member of the party has interacted with every NPC in the mm-hmm. complex already, uh, within the Tower of Wizardry, you must additionally track another level of interactions in order to ascertain what extra fees they incur oh, by yeah. merely existing mm-hmm. in the tower. Uh, and, and like, if you've talked to one guy, the other guy charges you more. And if mm-hmm. you've uh, done this or that, this costs more. Uh, so like the, again, the amount of bookkeeping, it does approach inferno levels of unplayability. Like, the DM needs to be doing the job of a powerful computer in order to make this basically <laughs> just a real shit video game. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. The, the, the tower wizardry is full of wizards and sages who can train, you know, magic using PCs and stuff like that, but they're all fucking assholes and they will all be shit to you. And, uh, yeah. In just different ways. 
Um, there's also a good number of death traps in there. Like there's le- like a cursed tome in one of the libraries that if you randomly find it is uh, probably just going to fucking kill you, especially if you're a low level character. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, although I do like the magic HVAC system uh, on the second yeah. floor uh, because that's this magic H with it, it. They just say it's a magical device that regulates the temperature and humidity in the castle. Um, so that's why it doesn't affect any of the structures as long as this machine uh, exists. Um, God, this shit is the most Mark Fisher black pilled <laughs> bullshit I've ever fucking read. And no one has food, motherfucker. Everyone is starving to death. <laughs> no, they go to the bazaar. You go to the market. HVAC system with magic. Mm-hmm. That's what you're using your magic points on, huh? Yep. God damn it. Well, <laughs> I mean, if there are lightning storms out every like every ten days and sandstorms and Arctic, I would want a magic eight track system too. It's also protected by zig zigzies yees, uh, which are negative energy. Uh, uh, they come from the plane well, yeah, of you negative protect energy. Your secrets, mm-hmm. like Grim Lore the Wise, has created fluorescent lighting. <laughs> it hums even louder. We'll yeah. install it everywhere. Aren't yeah. you glad to live in this dream world of magic? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Something, uh, a, a fun little bit that I saw on page six uh, mm-hmm. where the mask slips and the horrible goblin beneath is briefly visible. <laughs> There's a pair of trainers on page six. Mm. Oh, One of them is described... Benso, on the other hand, seems to enjoy tormenting his charges nearly as much as the DM enjoys torturing players. Like they just <laughs> say it out loud. They just he just admit it. Say it out loud. <laughs> I was researching it for months, and he just admitted it. He just admitted it. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else about the Wizard Tower, or do you want to move on to the Citadel? Oh, yet? you forgot the uh, deadly secret illusionist Wizard Tower underneath the Wizard <laughs> Tower. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I did do that. Um, Uh, That's fine for training illusionists, except that graduation involves a blood sport (laughs) where if you're a gnome, the teacher will have just taught you poorly as a joke because he wants you to die. Like, literally, that is the premise. It's just... Well, I hate those little bastards. So <laughs> they may be min-maxed for illusion magic, which is what I teach, but I'm just going to teach them wrong and then throw them in a pit to be torn to pieces. Oh, God, yeah. And gnomes have a bonus to be an illusionist in AD&D, so it's like, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Caleb, you alluded to an unfortunate random teleportation that goes on. Um, Yeah. (laughs) There's just a teleportation pad, folks. The guard complex has sprung what might be thought of as a magical leak. Uh, The random teleportation pad in the midst of the place has an activation phrase that is such an earworm that the guards just sing it and hum it all day without (laughs) exception. Uh, occasionally losing a brother to the wizard locked <laughs> top floor of the wizard's tower where they starve to death in an Amontillado-esque experience bereft of personal animosity and dramatic irony. What, what, I, I love so much about See, that's the only part I've laughed about. Because, like, 
Okay, teleportation tower very high up in a castle for the guards. That actually makes a ton of sense. You don't want to be climbing ladders when someone's not going to open the gate. Mm-hmm. The fact what that the wizards are so fucking petty, they <laughs> won't leave the door unlocked, even though the only people who know the spell and have access to the pad are the guards they pay to protect them. <laughs> Yep. But are so petty, like no, it gets drafty. We're like, we're keeping that closed, and also that no one can hear them pounding on the door, even though it's very clear that on the fourth floor it is clearly occupied. The eventual so- corpse explosion of that room is very amusing <laughs> to contemplate. Actually, uh, yeah, uh, like the top of that tower is just gonna bust like a zit. Oh and god! It's, also, and it's the fact that rain none of the guards would be like, on the city. Oh. Oh. yeah, none of the guards were like, I saw Terry disappear in thin air while whistling. Better in go check the wizard place. tower, yeah. which is the only explanation for that. He's like, no, I got other shit to do. I'll go do it later. Yeah. Hey, did anybody ever go get Terry? And he's just <laughs> fucking dead. Nope. Terry <laughs> is the freshest, lowest layer of the dead guard soup that's oh, going to eventually no. boil over. Uh, in that room. Um, also, just the little attempt that they make here to like have the plot, so to speak, mm-hmm. of the situation come in is so pathetic. There is a druid spy in the herbalist shop mm-hmm. who it describes she will just ask the PCs, but not the residents of Castle Greyhawk about stuff that she obviously knows more than the residents do about, and definitely more than the PCs that just arrived. Like, she will just ask them questions that she's completely unmotivated to ask and definitely knows the answers to, just in order purely to out herself as a spy, I guess. (laughs) Subtlety is for cowards uh, in this game. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, like again, the, 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 that's in the second building, the Citadel union. And what I like is they, it's the hub of, it's the center of the castle. It's the biggest structure. Um, in order to, uh, if you need a map of that, just get a map from this other module and use that because we're not going to give you a map. It's big. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, just as a, uh, way to, uh, I guess, you know, buy our books, um, Maybe so. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Citadel again. It has all the the shops that the PCs need. The 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 tavern that they have a like three percent chance per round of. Uh, there's a perpetual bar fight uh, at the bar, so there's a three percent per round of getting swept up in it. Um, oh, how fun! Yeah, and uh, the headquarters of the Cavaliers. Cavaliers were. D and D class, uh, they didn't really make uh, 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 make it to the later editions. Um, charging knights, mounted knights, but they fight with the barbarians and they they raid each other uh, every month uh, for sport, for sport and practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just a lot of other generic kind of uh, places. Although they they the common theme, of course, being screwing over the player characters uh, from all, as much money as possible. Yeah, you say all the shops they need where everything's like markup after you roll their terrible charisma scores. It's just like <laughs> like the Deutschmark after World War One. Yeah. Just like I hope you brought a wheelbarrow of fucking gold coins to yeah. buy this on, single healing potion. <laughs> on the large scale, like the fact that there's all these trainer NPCs that 
suck ass and try to get you killed and charge too much money and stuff like doesn't that just mean that like leveling up takes forever here and you Mm -hmm. have to do like an infinite amount of dungeon delving to get the money that you need to like complete your leveling up or like i don't play enough old DD, which is actually i play exactly enough old DD, which is none but like (laughs) um do you do you just level up when you kill stuff or discover treasure and get all your stuff, By or do the, you have to go to a trainer NPC? Otherwise, like, what are all these guys for? Well, it depends on the edition. Like, the, there's the, there's differences between first edition and second edition, and then back me, which is the basic expert companion master immortal set, which goes up to a higher level. I think this is actually back me. Um, so Look, it's man, in it's some like versions Congress. of it, yeah. Yeah. The gridlock is the point. The point is to trap you in this shitty fucking. Well, yeah, that, that was the thing. This is the desert bus of RPG <laughs> scenarios. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so, so like so. Well, I'm to assume that like you gain the XP, but the XP isn't released for your use until you interact with the right. You don't hit. You, you, you have to your go money to town and try and to kill up. you. <laughs> You'd have to go to town and level up. Um, uh, is is a thing in a lot of D and D. Now it could be house ruled, obviously, and many people did. But um, what if the WoW trainers? ganked you yeah but the the thing <laughs> the best house rule is not to play keep in mind like during the 80s like D sessions i think were probably on average a lot longer than what we're used to in role-playing games because like they didn't have all the shit that we had now like they might have like you know uh, um so getting around and playing for six hours on a saturday was just the norm so yeah you, the idea you know, of this surviving a single phone at the table is laughable yeah exactly like they just like you just do you didn't have like cool video game rpgs to grind so you just grind you just did grinding with your friends instead of grinding in mmos um or uh other video game rpgs so um, castle greyhawk they haven't invented candy crush yet so (laughs) i guess (laughs) yeah basically um and inside the citadel union the the big thing is of course herzog sanctum which is a three level tower um and boy they have again a column of text to describe its layout of how the rooms are divided and that they why would you why would they make a map uh just describe an intricate interior layout through uh text that's that's exceptionally that, boring lists of items yes yeah we're, and we're channeling inferno here well i i do like the adventuring party um on page uh 10 um, because there's a competing adventuring party that the G- DM is encouraged to use to thwart and piss off your players, to irritate the players at any reasonable opportunity, uh, because they got Boy, they, yeah, yeah. They got one on the cover. <laughs> like they should have uh, translated that to Latin and made it a crest and put that on every fucking page of this yeah. book. Yeah, does the DM have to keep track of their interactions with every NPC and if assassins are coming after them? <laughs> well, the thing about these uh, adventurers is they didn't have a cleric. They had a druid. And so when the other members were killed uh, and slaughtered, the druid cast reincarnation. And reincarnation in AD&D was you rolled on a random table about what species you would come back as. And so there's a 10th level paladin who is now a pixie. There's a... <laughs> Uh, there's a, the thief is now a centaur. 
Um, and the wizard is a badger. Um, and oh no, everyone's super racist against this party now. <laughs> yeah, like uh, more racist than normal. And uh, the badger cannot cast spells with verbal or somatic components because he's a badger. Um, and yeah, so Look, man, you're just you're just introducing me to player characters. I wish I was in control of <laughs> yeah, having yeah. a better campaign than I am having. <laughs> Uh, yeah. a, a thief trying to do thief shit while clip clopping around on central <laughs> hooves is inherently physically funny comedy. Yeah, that is good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, it does. It does say there are mod. They do neg- give her negative modifiers to her thieving skills. Um, um, so yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be like these are your doppelgangers. They're better at adventuring you. That's why you should hate them. No, they're better at playing games than me because they sound like they're having fun. Like <laughs> that seems like an interesting story. I want to go over there and join their group. <laughs> We're going to um, go into a shitty zoo that has fart rockets to try and kill us. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. They're going to be up here having a grand old time. Yeah. We're um, going to be down there with like a, a fucking Dickensian orphan. Um, yeah. Well, a fake one. Anyway. Yeah, a fake. Yeah, a fake Dickensian orphan scammer. Uh, trying to figure out of which gendered bathroom that's installed in a goddamn medieval circus has a hydra in it like yep uh, yeah. so there's a second instance here of a druid having nonsense uh motivations as a character because mm-hmm. le dirt the druid <laughs> uh does not join the golden bow because the loot under the castle is too valuable mm-hmm. uh reducing the castle to rubble would somehow make the loot harder to get than easier which would be reasonable in a low magic setting where you have to shift those tons and tons and tons and tons of rocks Mm -hmm. but like with the amount of tunneling and other movement and teleportation stuff that spellcasters get in D&D this motivation makes no sense because he's saying that he would rather deal with this NPC table (laughs) yeah in order to get rich in Castle Greyhawk, then mm-hmm. just level the thing and then cast a digging spell or literally fucking wild shape himself into something that digs well and just get all the it, it just I don't yep. know why I singled him out. It's not like anything else in this thing makes any sense, but yep. it just struck me again that like here's a druid doing things he wouldn't. Yep, it's it would be funny to have a a pixie paladin. So that that there you go. That's all you get. Um couldn't he just be another really ineffective double agent for the Golden Bow, though? <laughs> like, that would be technically a little bit less stupid, mm-hmm. but oh well. Um, so the hook of the this whole adventure is that the Lord Herzog offers you basically uh, 1,000 gold pieces per dungeon level entirely mapped. And uh, you get to keep whatever you want, find down there. And that's it, because he's, he's too busy to deal with all the monsters below his castle. So, um, and he, yeah, that, 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 and so we're, we're, we're off, uh, to level one against the little guys. Uh, this is, uh, level one was written by Steve Gilbert. Thanks, Steve, for this. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. it is worth noting, though, mm-hmm. that this did predict jurassic park (laughs) oh did it yeah this is before the novel yeah this is true this is 1988 michael crichton played this shit in jurassic park that's what i have chosen to believe 
So one thing I don't think uh, – did I mention that this uh, – according to the Wikipedia entry and to the book Heroic Worlds, uh, this won the 1989 Gamer's Choice Award for Best Adventure, uh, which I wasn't quite sure what that was. Uh, I think it's the Origins Gamer's Choice Award. Uh, but when I'm I not- looked it up on Origins, they don't list this adventure as winning in 1988 or 1989. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I choose to go with it because it reifies my opinion of the choices of gamers. <laughs> um, yeah. So the basic premise, so each level, uh, dungeon level has its own theme. And this one is it's a zoo that's gone awry. So a wizard named Zando tried to make this dungeon level into a zoo by using the random monsters um, and charging people admission. Um, it seemed the admission prices were too low. Uh, the defective random monsters. Yeah, the defective random which monsters. Are, which are teleported for some reason to his level of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't think they get the concept of parody. <laughs> yes, you should make fun of wandering monster tables. You should make fun of the ecology of dungeons that make no sense. These 20 skeletons live next to these two minotaurs who are inside of a kraken mouth. Like, you, you should do that. <laughs> Um, but they just like make fun of it and then they proceed to do it for another decade with all seriousness <laughs> in every publication. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, I was like, um, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. The average dungeon in a TSR module has the population density of Kowloon old city. It's just <laughs> like shoulder yeah. to shoulder <laughs> fucking bug bears and <laughs> hobgoblins and uh, yeah. And fart rockets. Don't. <laughs> Standing on their marks, waiting for the director. Yeah, yeah. don't you dare forget the fart rockets. Well, yeah, let's, I mean, let's talk about fart rockets. Uh, yeah, there, there it's are Salt and Pepper song, right? <laughs> well, that that's a little later on. First, we have to have the adventure hook, uh, okay, sure. which is the uh, orphan boy uh, column. Um, he even has a sign on his neck saying "orphan," and he's like, "Help me find my dad." And this is one of the the Cockney accents uh, in PCs. You're supposed to uh, have any. one of no less than three in <laughs> this in this. I just want to be clear. Eight page spread. Yeah. No less um, than three Cockney outfit. Yeah. Also, I, I, I cannot help but sniff the politics of the sad, ragged orphan in the street asking for your help is scamming you. Mm-hmm. It's very like, blatant, and um, hmm. they make it very obvious that he's up to no good. Um, and uh, but it's the only hook you have to go down and to without, the dungeon without motivation. Up for no good, mm-hmm. like what they never established. Okay, so his his master tries to start a freak monster dungeon mm-hmm. zoo, zoo, yeah, and then they escape. And he escapes, and he's trying to get people to go rescue this dude, Zando. Even though, yeah. in the interim of revealing that he's not a real Dickensian orphan, they reveal that he is a shithead that everyone hates because <laughs> everyone hates everyone. Um, he yeah, doesn't like. Yeah. He doesn't like the magician. Nope. And he is only out for himself. Then they go on to talk about how if you go up to the upper story of where the entrance to the dungeon is. And you just open a single drawer. There's 350 gold pieces there. Why does he give a fuck about rescuing any of them? What? Walk up the steps, open a drawer, leave. Take 350 gold pieces. Hope that you get out of the weather circle of nightmares that the druids and go to a better town, kid. Like, 
It, yeah. it just it's just baffling. He is literally just like an annoyance nymph. He is just there to pop up and like he it intentionally says he ruins every stealth check. He's constantly in the way. Yeah, he's he's he, pippening all over the place. Yeah, uh like they give you an escort mission with an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason they do it is just because you deserve to experience this asshole kid. <laughs> like it, the kid has no motivations. He doesn't get anything out of it. In fact, it seems to kind of put him out of his way. But God damn it, you're going to do it. It literally says if they do anything to the kid or don't like the kid, you should fold up the game, the game <laughs> screen and stare at them and make it clear that they've ruined game night. <laughs> like I, that, is, feel that again, is explicit GM advice. Yeah, it is. And just like how like it just says that the DM enjoys torturing players like mm-hmm. as like a base assumption, like there's no uh, interrogation of that. I mean, that's the logic mind of it, though. Like, like if you hate players this much to write this, you would also know that, like, if you say, well, if you kill this kid, there's no game tonight, that one of them is definitely going to do it. Yeah. Like, you've Uh, just assured that happening. And yet, if you were aware that, like, they could be doing that and something else, why wouldn't you write something better? I just, it's the the whole parody binds up on itself. You can't use the the same thing this <laughs> paints, parody this paints yeah. a weird negative space picture of a dm or like an archetypal dm i guess mm-hmm. who is loved by no one and <laughs> has on some interior not fully examined but deeply felt level reconciled with the fact that negative attention is the only attention he's ever going to receive from other people. Well, it's like a co- toxic, like codependent relationship. Like the GM is like hates the players, but like he he'll always run the game, and the players will never step away. It's it's like yeah, it's it's codependence is my theory. Uh, mm-hmm. And back in the late '80s, probably that was true for a lot of groups. You know, they didn't have anything else to do. Um, yeah, no phones, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, never mind any of those fucking complaints about, uh, like, people on their phones or TikTok or whatever the fuck. Like, this is what was going on before <laughs> that. Uh, so you, uh, you, you have no choice but to follow the orphan boy or uh, escort the orphan boy, the fake orphan. Um, yeah, his reward, by the way, is only getting 15 silver from Zando at the end. Um, and then the kid, you could just pay the kid 20 silver to 15 silver as opposed to the 350 gold pieces (laughs) that he could have gotten away scot-free with because Zando was locked in a cage about to be eaten. Uh, baffling, baffling to me. Uh, but yeah, so you, you, you start heading through there. You can see it's been made up. The dungeon's been made up as a zoo. There's admissions. There's a little ticket booth. Um, there's a, there's a concession stand. Uh, hey, do you, do you want to know how many steak knives they have? They have 20 steak knives, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I want to know why do you have steak knives for a concession stand? Like what? what yeah, they sell, they, they sell burgers. They sell burgers. You don't need a fucking steak knife. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I also like yeah, how they get a monster. Yeah. I also like how the game is over instantly at this point because they give you fifteen flasks of oil mm-hmm. in old school D and D. Well, you're just gonna go through Molotoving everything. That is that's the scenario now, which will be really useful in the next area, the bathrooms. Uh, oh God. <laughs> 
<laughs> so hey, Caleb, if it's good enough for Stephen King, it's good enough for D and D. All right, you know. He- okay, gendered bathrooms in. I just want to be clear: a medieval freak show, <laughs> just like they even have the little figurines on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like this wild world of fantasy, like where I too can go to the bathroom like I do at Applebee's. Just I don't understand it. <laughs> this is why I hate fantasy, I think. Because mm-hmm. like when people say fantasy, I'm like, yes, I would love to live into like a different logic. And there's like this guy's wearing a loincloth when he does his taxes. And I'm I'm <laughs> oh. Oh, it's more it's more depressing than reality, like in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. it's so bleak. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a Hydra with two heads and it can it can stick a head up through the toilet to attack PCs. Just oh, like no. just like your favorite dream uh, Stephen King story, Dreamcatcher. Uh, yeah, the good the best one. <laughs> uh yeah the 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 hydra of course the hydra stuck down there so you could just not deal with it just or you could just drop one of your 15 molotov (laughs) cocktails into the septic tank and burn it alive yeah yeah uh the yeah uh and it doesn't even have any treasure i don't think so there's really it's just really a trap i guess if some player's like oh i'm gonna take a shit well if you can kill Uh, hydra goes up your butt (laughs) (laughs) yep Yeah, but now we finally we finally arrived here, uh, Caleb. But your favorite part of this entire thing, uh, the fart powered (laughs) monsters, rocket monsters, uh, in area four. Well, my favorite part is that um, if you if you did like a wordle, Mm -hmm. and uh, if you you know where you put all the words of a text into a thing and it and and organizes them by like uh, recurrence. Mm I think stalactite and stalagmite would be big on there. Mm-hmm. The only thing bigger would be the fuck you that somehow came out yeah, of it. Somehow it like it, amalgamated. <laughs> um, but um, they love stalactite and stalagmite. But here's the thing. In room four, which to be clear, I guess there's I guess there's angry geological formations in regular D and D. Piercers are just fall like, on there's you. normal piercers in D and D. Normal. Yeah. They they look like stalactites. Or but slide. these ones shoot um, apparently combusted methane mm-hmm. out of a pressurized nozzle and fly around the room to try and kill yeah, you. Yeah, they're horizontal oh. jet-propelled piercers. Like. So, 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 and I just want to be clear. This is the part that like just broke my brain. <laughs> well, then they're not stalactites and stalagmites, are they? Like That's the entire fucking definition. Where are they associated vertically <laughs> they're they are now neither they by making them horizontal they're just rocks dude like they're yeah, just rock they're, formations they're protrusions they're protrusions they're not stalactite stalagmites the whole thing is whether it's on the top or the bottom on the side neither now just rocks um so i, I just the the idea of using well we can't just say pointy rocks <laughs> We got to find the spelunkers in our audience will be pissed off. We got to go for the verisimilitude. And it's like, well, I want them to come from the sides, though. Fuck it. <laughs> then now they're just every part of it just is so bananas to me. Um, uh. How about them gas orcs? 
Oh God. Um, there are several uh, gas spore varieties. So gas spores in standard D and D. This like there's a lot of D and D monsters that were that were created specifically to fuck with players' meta knowledge of the game. Like piercers are kind of like that, uh, but gas spores are um, big balloons full of spores, basically, and they look like beholders. So the idea is you shoot one with like an arrow or a fireball or whatever, it explodes, releasing a cloud of spores, and you have to save versus poison or whatever. Or disease, and if you fail, you get infected with the spores, and you'll die within a day. And then new gas spores will come out of your corpse. So that's the standard gas spore monster. Uh, it's a trick to fool players into attacking, you know, something they think. Yes. Is- How dare you attack monsters? This is D and D. You shouldn't be thinking of that as your. You have to assumption. attack them the right way. You know, there's, yeah, there's just tons of. It's a very. Well, the way to do effect. this is to breach and clear every room with mm-hmm. your. 80 flasks of oil <laughs> like there's literally a room filled of fart gas that's combustible enough to serve as rocket fuel just throw it in there well those are all dead <laughs> next room well these are just literal uh fucking circus balloon people uh have some fire next room <laughs> that's the that's the way you should play this game is just burning away the plot mm-hmm. and then walking through an empty space I mean, that's that just is the best low level D in general <laughs> yeah uh, um, but there's two vari- new varieties in this adventure. One, the first one is actually in the next room, Area Five, which is a solid gas spore, which is just a two meter diameter black sphere hidden in the shadows. It feels smooth and rock like, but when tapped, it reverberates, and um, they don't. They aren't easy to puncture. Um, they ex- they just explode on their own. And uh, yeah, they they. And then the other one, which is what you're talking about, um, are the gas works, right? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, the yeah the gas orcs that realistically look like monsters m- that they are like down to like the clothes and equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You know what looks kind of like a balloon, a beholder. It's a big floaty ball. That at least makes sense. You know what doesn't look like a balloon? A, <laughs> a fucking humanoid creature with like equipment, and wearing items. clothes, supporting weight. Where are its bones? It's made of gas. <laughs> I do like the maybe maybe if they did a inflatable arm guy, you see a car dealership, so you're like, that's a weird looking orc. Well, let's kill it anyway. Oh no. They may literally not have invented those wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tubes. They didn't, they didn't have the technology. They had land shark joke technology, by God. That's that's all they had. They had to make do. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, pretty coming up with an area eight with land sharks, which are just sharks, but they can get out of the water and attack. Remember that joke? Mm-hmm. Remember it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, there, oh, there's another uh, joke uh, D&D monster, Ropeless. Uh, ropers are are uh, uh, more dangerous monsters that look like big fleshy things with ropey tentacles that grab people and eat them. Um, a ropeless is shitty. It it does it. It's a small roper without any strands, so it's a big fleshy knob. So was the guy who wrote this actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the next joke monster, of course, are the minitars, which are, they're minotaurs, but they're small and they'll, uh, you, you actually don't even have to kill them. They'll just, you can just treat them like dogs. Uh, That's another thing. This thing does. It gives you like, I think it's one of the parody elements. I wonder is if it's trying to see if you're dumb enough to keep playing this. 
how many like NPC pets they can laden your party down with. It's like you've got you've got what you've got the two mini tars. Those are coming along. You got to feed them a one salted meat, and they just get to be adorable. So yeah, those are the they're part of the family now. Um, you've you've got the fucking uh, tentacle monster thing that sounds like a dolphin and literally throws money at you. Like yeah, we're keeping him. He's you've now a, you've got a scammer and his wizard dad or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got like a guy with progeria or something uh, like wing winging it, pretending to be a kid for unknown scam reasons. Uh, a wizard trapped in a cage. I, I, I think like I haven't read the whole thing, but I think by like level nine, you're going to be like rolling deep, <laughs> like a, like a, a hard posse is coming to level nine. You're going to have half of grace. Yeah. And when you, you when you surface again and start seeing NPCs again, the game crashes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why everyone has a cockney outfit. They, they know the DM's not going to be able to sort that many in his mind. <laughs> Every, yeah. so everyone's cockney now yeah yeah um, yeah that's, imagine yeah. imagine meeting an npc after that and doing all those it, it would be the end uh <laughs> yeah so the yeah that's the howard the eye of the shallows who looks like an eye of the deep which is an aquatic beholder very dangerous very very powerful monster but he actually behaves like a dolphin because he's a cross between the two and he'll actually uh if you play with him he'll actually retrieve the the water at the bottom of his pool of water or the money um and so yeah he'll just give you money uh if you're nice to this this monster and uh yeah so um and he doesn't want to hurt anybody so yeah that, that's another little pet uh, and then there we encounter the gas orcs um and then but then there's howard's evil brothers the three killer dolphins uh, which look like dolphins but they want to kill um they are so the dolphins <laughs> they're chaotic evil dolphins and they will try and trick player characters into ah you know squeaking and like ah come play with us kind of like behavior until you get in the water in which case they just all go for the throat um, and they do 2d4 damage, which is no joke to a level one character with four hit points. Um, Please. <laughs> give, my, give my flesh to the dolphin so yeah. I don't have to play anymore. <laughs> I, take, yeah. I strip naked and walk into the pool. Yeah, it's it. You're, you're not wrong. Like, it is difficult to imagine what the objective is besides to find a way to not be playing anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, again, back in the 80s, it's all they had. Uh, and certainly if you went to the hobby shop and that was the one module you could buy, you're going to be playing this fucking thing until you can afford another module. All the wheels fall off. Yeah. yeah. And how running your own module? Oh, that's all way too much work. Um, and finally, you come to the, the big exhibit where there's a cretin, which is a just a, a dumb etten which is a two-headed giant and this is are you counting this because both there's two heads are you counting this as two of the cockney accents or just well they they both have their own voices yeah (laughs) but that's the best part it's a two-headed creature whose both voices sound exactly the same yeah like it's just literally intentional shitty gm advice Mm -hmm. at every at every point they're like be worst no Worse than that. Yes. No. <laughs> Worse than that. Uh, yeah. They're they're uh yeah, Bert and Jimmy. Uh they have they're they're gonna they have Zando in a cage and they're gonna eat him uh unless the player characters can save him. Uh and to be the, to be fair, the 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 GM is encouraged to let them 
the player characters come up with any kind of plan, no matter how dumb it is, it's probably going to work on this uh, uh, Bert and Jimmy because they're very dumb, uh, including convincing the two giants to kill each other um, or, you know, height going underwater and holding their breath until they, you know, die um, to any number of things. Um, and the reward, of course, for rescuing Zando the magician is uh, really great. Uh, a stake in the the, the zoo for the first year of operation. So, um, and if you, you can get up to 20% of the gross, uh, which is after a year, um, which is, I save this guy's life and he awards me in points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and not even monthly, like yearly, like you only get it Ugh. a year later. You're never seeing that money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause the player characters are going to be dead after going through this dungeon in a couple months. Um, uh, don't forget, a uh, random monster table gives you additional pets. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Who's your favorite out of the random monsters? Because there's, there's well, you got the four Uniducks, <laughs> who are just like unicorns, only they're useless, but they're still like noble beasts. So like they're not going to attack you or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, then there's the four little guys, <laughs> which are just reverse giants. Yeah, our also just trying not to be eaten by gelatinous discs <laughs> instead of gelatinous cubes. So, like, why are you going to try and kill them? Uh, but like, I, I'm not. I'm not going to die. I'm leaving this dungeon with no less than nine followers, <laughs> yeah. and we are on level one. Yeah, like level one, and I've got nine pets. Yeah, it's like uh, that's I'm a Pokemon game. Through- at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna be rolling through the top of Greyhawk like fucking Caesar Milan out for a walk. Just a menagerie of freaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coming down the street with me. Uh, uh, and uh statistically speaking, like several of them have assassins after them, like immediately. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's Jethro the Hill guy, uh, or maybe Arg the Fire guy. Uh, you know. They named the guys. Uh <laughs> Well, God bless him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, quite the adventure and uh, quite an insight into uh, D&D back in the day. Yeah, uh, this eats shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but this was this was like creme de la creme of dungeoneering or like this is an official TSR module. It has I mean, the cover art of the module is like from Keith Parkinson. It's actually a pretty good picture. It's uh, a pretty good cover. art. No, yeah. no, but like this is this is like if the meme like we've got wacky fantasy hijinks at home, mm-hmm. if the wacky fantasy <laughs> hijinks at home were actually better than the ones that you would have gotten at the restaurant. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm I'm getting older mm-hmm. and I'm becoming like history dad without the kids mm-hmm. because of my latest job. And like when they say like history is an abattoir of nightmares, just <laughs> you, you think you you know you know they're talking about the big stuff, mm-hmm. but then you also read shit like this and you're like, well, the big stuff was going on, and then if you wanted to get away with get away from it, this was your option. This is what you had. This is what you had. No wonder it's people just, are so fucked up. Yeah, it's just so... I just get a thousand yard stare thinking of like what it must have been like to like turn off Reagan talking on the television. I'm like, well, time to play Rock. <laughs> <laughs> just Jesus. I would have jumped from the highest building I could oh, yeah. find. Yeah. So, so bleak. Millennials oh, are weak, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, but there's twelve. There's there's ten more. There's eleven more levels. Jesus, we're I'm gonna be. 
going through this for a while, uh, but we'll, we'll bring some other people in here uh, to to break the devils. I feel like you've uh, you, you've earned a rest at the tavern, and hopefully, yeah, I'm I'm doing I'm doing the thing where you suddenly leap up off the mat and fly through the air to tag your partner into the <laughs> ring with your last dying burst of energy. Um, yeah. Actually, I rolled a thirty three, and so the barkeeper is trying to stab me to death inexplicably. <laughs> Uh, but before we go, um, Rob, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, uh, I mean, I of course would like to plug the Orpheus Protocol, which is the role-playing game that I've got uh, like maybe about 85% done. Uh, Going to be delivering that Kickstarter and being able to actually sell the book, uh, hopefully early next year, but next year for sure. Uh, and the ongoing campaign which is the actual play podcast the orpheus protocol at orpheusprotocol.com or the orpheus protocol on your podcatcher of choice which is patreon supported how i pay my bills uh it's a good time also uh keep an eye out for keepsake it's a uh drama and horror film that uh my writing partner john harp and i are uh working on actually making now it's funded i don't need more money i would just like you to watch it when it comes out yay um and it's a little too early for you to have a eta for a release date for that do you no i mean like honestly like omicron might just add months so yeah i just don't know it's hard to do things it is hard to do things yeah um caleb is there anything in particular you like to plug before we go uh yeah, I have more fun uh drinking with Ross on the mix six so, than anyone has ever had in Castle Grace whatever the fuck this Greyhawk. is. Um no one cares. Uh and even the people there don't care. Um I also run games and write for Delta Green RPG at Delta Green Dead Channels. Um so I am uh doing a concordance of all operational mentions over there currently. And uh, we've got more APs coming up, some of which that Rob are in and Ross as well. Yeah. Uh, and then I also design my own stuff like red markets on Hebron games, open design, and we're still posting uh, our first Slingstone campaign, which is our game and development. So mm-hmm. any and all of those would be great to back if you haven't already. Yeah. All right. And I'll, I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, but anyways, thank you all for listening. Thank you all so much for supporting the RPPR Patreon. Uh, we've got a lot of great things planned. I'm actually planning to do a, uh, going to be testing the waters to doing a public, uh, monthly live stream that will be then recorded and made into a bonus podcast as well. I'll have more details about that as after I figure out some technical details, but I am working on that, uh, to be streaming again. So if you missed that, um, on our discord, that's coming back, but better and different. So not exactly. Okay. Anyways. Um, and I promise it won't be, uh, I will not have a, I will not do a Cockney accent on there unless you all donate to make me do a Cockney accent. I'll do four of them. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have it, uh, uh an echo, a delay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we can, we can do that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you all, uh, for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye.